So, Warren Felt Evans. Anybody? He was an early, early uh, new thoughter. He studied with Quimby, who we studied, talked about a couple of weeks ago. Phineas Parkhurst Quimby. He is the author, but Warren Felt Evans is the author of The Mental Cure, a book I highly recommend. It was considered the first published New Thought book in 1869. You can read it for free online, or you can download it for 99 cents on Kindle. So, the expense of the book should not be the problem. But that rarely is the problem for us, is it? Usually it's remembering to do it. <laughs> that doesn't, oh, I wish I had done that. And here I am on an elevator right now. We're driving, and it's all convenient. And by the time we park our car, we no longer remember because we've had so many other thoughts. Oh, the mental cure. <laughs> or, or Kevin's like, is this it? <laughs> no, but to you. Yeah, The Mental Cure by Warren Felt Evans. Yes, yes, uh, and, uh, in, our, in, in our antecedents of New Thought series. <laughs> he was the first American writer to give literary form to the ideas and methods of spiritual healing. Evans combined the work of Franz and uh, Anton Mesmer, who was Parker, Phineas Parker's teacher. Remember, you've heard of mesmerism. I grew up hearing about that. It's hypnosis is basically what it was until until they found that that didn't work as much. Well, first, Mesmer was about magnets. Hmm. Magnetism and all that stuff. And then he abandoned that and went into the hypnotism. And Quimby pretty much, uh, he did it. But they all came down to, I'm going to simplify it here, change your thought, change your life. Change your thinking, and you will, you will change everything, positively or negatively. Because we can go in either direction with our thinking. Anybody? <laughs> Bueller, Bueller. You know, it's uh, we. I, I've taken myself down a big honking rabbit hole many times of misery with my thinking, frequently while driving, <coughs> or spending quiet time in meditation. <laughs> I can go to a place, but then other times I've gone to a wonderful place. A wonderful place that I believe was a true place. It, it, it reflected who and what I really am as opposed to what, who and what I really am not. <laughs> See, I, all of us, let us know now, we are not our circumstances. I am not what I eat. I am not this overweightness that I am experiencing. I am not baldness. I am not my relationship with David. I am not our house. I am not what I think. I am not my health. I am not this floor, I'm not the ceiling. But I am. I simply am. I am that which God is. Now, how do I want to use that? Do I want to use it or misuse it? Unity, we have our 12 divine mind faculties. Faith, will, understanding, power, presence, zeal. Not presence, presence is not power. Uh, but we have the power of power. Is it love, wisdom, order, 
strength, elimination, and love. Those are all 12. They're similar to the chakras, but if you want to know more about them, there's a book for available in the bookstore. Uh, but it's... I can use those or misuse them. Those of you who do chakra study work, you know you can use or misuse your chakras. We can do prayer, and we can use or misuse prayer. We can use or misuse affirmations. Some of us have affirmed the most awful things about ourselves. And denied what is absolutely true about ourselves. Guilt is a good way to deny what is true about yourself. So anyway, Evans is quoted... Oh, well, let me finish this, this part here. Uh... It was Mesmer who illustrated the beneficent impact of the mind on the body for purposes of health with the spiritual teaching of Ralph Waldo Emerson, and, uh, which addressed the value of becoming one with the divine indwelling presence, deepening the mental healing movement by demonstrating its spiritual basis. Evans provided the basis upon which Charles Fillmore developed his. For those of you who don't know, Charles Fillmore is the co-pioneer of the Unity Movement. So all these, I've looked at the family tree of, of the history of New Thought. And it's so funny where they all come connected at one point and then break off into their own thing here and there. Some connected more with Mary Baker Eddy and in the, in the... Christian Scientist. Thank you, Christian Scientist <laughs> Movement. <laughs> And, uh, and others went by way of Anona Brooks and uh, the Divine Science, and that's who Emmett Fox hooked up with when he came to America. And then there was this group over here who followed Mary, uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins, who started her own thing. The Fillmores and Emily Cady were ordained by her, and then the Unity, Unity Movement was developed. And then there's Ernest Holmes, who really came more out of Emerson and... Uh, I don't know that was it. Mm -hmm. You're making that up, okay? <laughs> You're making a lucky guess. Okay, it's Emerson, and I forget the other one. Uh, and and uh, Ernest Holmes of religious science came out of that leg of the tree, and, and but but Ernest Holmes also studied with Emma Curtis Hopkins from over here, and Emma Curtis Hopkins had been a big part of. Christian scientist movement until Mrs. Bet Mary Baker Eddy told her she might thrive elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. She was redirected, as it were, because she didn't, she didn't follow the rules of Mary Baker Eddy. Mary Baker Eddy's rules were, in your writings you praise me, not other writers. Because, and that's why Christian science, I'm not criticizing Christian science, it is not part of the New Thought movement because it was... Mrs. Eddy believed the healing stops here with what we teach now and there is no evolution of it. And, and so what could you do with the rest of New Thought? There's always new, new writers and new ideas and new thoughts and an expansion. Let's try this, let's try this. And many people, what we found was through individual practice as spiritual scientists, all sorts of healings have taken place. All sorts of amazing things have taken place within the mind, within the body. But it always seems to start with the mind. Healing does not start with the body. And sickness does not start with the body. As uh, Patricia said, it did not start with food. 
you know, any of our addictions did not start with 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 the substance. It started in mind. And therefore, if that's the case, where a man has placed the problem, God has placed the solution. So if the problem is in mind, the solution is in mind. And so much can take place. When we change our minds, some of us are so much more willing to change our clothing than we are our minds. I can get a new haircut. I can I do all sorts of things to try to uh, change it. And, and, and then it shows up. You know, we can, we can move away to get away from toxic people. We can move away. And what I have learned through extensive experience, I haven't moved away a lot, but I've, I've moved from here to just perhaps here, <laughs> from this bar to another bar, whatever it is, a meeting to a different meeting. And that person that was a problem over there shows up here disguised in a new body. <laughs> it's still that person. It's the same it's the same buttons are all pushed. And and the funny part is when that person shows up at first in the disguise, they're so attractive. There's something about them. I just want to hang out with them. I want to talk with them. I want to spend time with them. It's not based on lust. It's based on there's a comfort there. And then all of a sudden, the disguise comes off and it's you again. How many of us have met our mother over and over in life and our father over and over in life and our first grade teacher over and over in life and perhaps a priest and a minister and a nun and what have you over and over again? Perhaps ex-husbands and ex-wives have come back to haunt us in new clothes and new bodies. But it turns out to be them again. Well, there's something there. Oh, and it's me. <laughs> it's me who's in all these places. It's not them, it's me. I keep calling forth. Not because I'm stupid. Not because I'm ridiculous. But because I haven't healed. I haven't made the decision to heal. I think going over here is the healing. Let me just get out of this place and I won't have to deal with this again. For those of you who have quit drinking, drugging, smoking, eating, what have you, you found out there was still a problem there. And it was you! I can't be the only one who found out. It was me! It wasn't everybody else. It wasn't my parents. Last night someone talked to me about uh, alcoholism being, you know, because uh, I, I believe that we do not have to accept uh, generic, genetic, generic, genetic uh, disposition towards Ill illness. It's, uh, you know, he was founded on, as a child of God, I do not inherit sickness. And so, somewhere, now it doesn't mean we don't have a capability if it's if it's in the genes and stuff that we could develop a similar illness to our ancestors but it's not a requirement it's not a requirement of all at all but it takes work if if you see it coming on oh it takes a lot of work and it's not about being blamed oh look what i did i i'm so stupid 
if I hadn't done this, and so sometimes it, feel, it feels like ministers and doctors and our friends will blame us for our ailments. When all it really was is we were just unconscious. We didn't know. We didn't pay attention. Nobody taught me a lot of stuff. People taught me to be afraid. The, uh, you know, my mother tried to scare me into submission. Stupid boogeyman. <laughs> you know, how many times was I threatened with that? As a little boy. That's always nice just before you go to bed at night. <laughs> just as they're turning out the lights. <laughs> Those dumb bed bugs. <laughs> Don't let the bed bugs bite. Did y'all hear that? Did you grow up hearing that one? <sighs> Took 45 years to get a bed bug. <laughs> it was in a New York apartment. But I never had them before that. I've never had them since. But to uh, Boogeyman? Well, I don't know about the Boogeyman. I've had something like that appear in my life many times, but I, I don't know. <coughs> Mr. Evans repeated emphasis on ideas translating into expressions in the body. According to uh, Eric Braden, who wrote the book Spirit in Rebellion, which is a phenomenal book on the history of New Thought and all of its teachers, it's about this big. And it's, it's, it's just a great book. book. But he said, Evans believed that two things are necessary. If a patient would receive a spiritual, sanative influence, whether through self-treatment or at the hands of another, one is the desire to get well. Well, you'd think that would be obvious, wouldn't you? And the other... is a faith in the efficiency of the remedial agent. Meaning a faith that healing is possible. So I have to have both a desire and a faith that healing is possible. At least 50% belief that healing is possible. Without these two things, the cure of disease by any mode of treatment is, to say the least, least if not impossible, exceedingly difficult. I used to hear, at Unity Village, I would hear some people say, well, I'm just going to myrtle it if they were diagnosed with something. Uh -huh. Now, if you don't know, Myrtle Fillmore, Unity's co-founder, was diagnosed with tuberculosis and given three months to live in 1886. Well, actually, it was in 1884. She had her healing, her final healing, where there was no trace of it in 1886. But she did a tremendous amount of prayer work. A tremendous amount of meditation work, tremendous amount of affirmations and denials, and the willingness to look within for even the tiniest speck of heading in the wrong direction in order to have a healing. And the first thing she did was take responsibility for what was in her by going home after she went to a lecture by E.B. Weeks, who was also a student of Emma Curtis Hopkins. And she said, I apologize. She apologized to her body for having called it sick. It takes a good bit of belief in, in, in uh, saying, oh, I brought this about in ways that I have no idea. She wasn't beating herself up. But nor did she go into guilt because she only apologized once. It wasn't an everyday thing. She was not a codependent with herself. She apologized to it once for calling herself sick. And then day after day after day after that, she began to praise her organs. 
She praised her body. She praised her heart. She praised her lungs. She praised her, praised her liver and her kidney and intestines and the skin. And she, she praised it day after day after day. And there's a reason for that. We have intelligence in all of the cells of our body. And it, that intelligence, we've been telling that intelligence the wrong information for most of our lives. Or somebody else told us the wrong information and we agreed with it. And, and thought it was ours and we have to blame ourselves or it's somebody else's and we have to blame them. But it didn't occur to us that we could have a true healing, especially without a doctor. And here in Unity, we do not people tell people, don't go to doctors. What we tell people is go to the doctor until you don't have to. And, that, and you'll know when that is, not when somebody else tells you. And so Myrtle Fillmore, it took two years and a lot of... Uh, questionable circumstances, you know, things that her lungs went, one day her lungs filled up with fluid. And she said, oh, I thought I was doing all the right work. What do I have to do here? And she prayed. And the voice said, open up the windows of your house and clean it from top to bottom. And she said, but I'm sick. I said, open up your windows, clean. And she did. And by the end of the day, she had sweated all that out of her. You know, there, there, it's an odd method of healing. But she, she listened. She prayed and she listened. So she found that the, the sickness was, the ailment was not a punishment for having done the wrong things or the mistaken things. It was a circumstance that she, in, her, in a newfound mental state, could shift. And a, a lot of us, they don't, I don't believe in that stuff, but start. Start believing in that stuff. You know, it's a, it is a tough one. Those of you who have lost loved ones, you know, who made transitions, it's like, are we saying if they were stronger or I was stronger, they would have survived? And it's not about that. I'm not here to tell you any of that that anybody fouled up. Most of us just don't know. And those of us who have heard don't really believe it. And then there's a handful of us who do. I was taught early on in Unity that if I changed my mind, I could change a lot of circumstances, and I did. I changed a lot in my life, and the way I did things, and I had healings. And then later on, I forgot. And I deteriorated in a lot of ways, and uh, you know, picked up other comfort food, <laughs> and things like that, and I picked up resentments. And you know, not one of those things made me feel better. Resentments do not make me feel better. So it's on my mind. I, I have to seek all the time in learning how to experience forgiveness of myself and others, of, their, of what they forgot about themselves. And, and it's, it's so easy to do. I uh, had an exchange years ago, right after I left church. I was new here. I went to the grocery store. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I said to this human being uh, in line. It did not represent my Christ self, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's so so I, I just, But I, uh, I could laugh about it. And I could forgive it. And I could uh, just go on about my business. And I laugh about it to this day, realizing, oh, that's my humanness. That's not my awful self. It's just my humanness. And so to look at all this stuff, 
Evans thought of uh, the healing process <coughs> as practiced by New Thought is based on achieving a mental awareness of the body's true, perfect nature and its unity with God-mind, an awareness of oneness. The objective is to open the human mind wide enough, and that's permitting the flow, to allow that perfect nature to emerge or the manifestation. This is often accomplished by use of affirmations. And as perfect health flows through me, and there is an affirmation. Perfect health flows through me. And it never hurts to add the word now. Uh, it's perhaps the body-centered spirituality that most distinguishes new thought from traditional Christianity. So, while it's not always best to focus on the material, when stuff comes up in the material, it's important to know, I can change this. I have the power within me to change this. Sometimes it is a choice for a new knee. That's how I can change this. I can go out and get a new knee. Rarely does my discomfort uh, about, uh, subside with the thought, I can go out and get a pie. <laughs> that does not heal what I'm looking to do that does not motivate me it does not get me moving faster but you understand what I mean and I, I understand what I mean it doesn't stop me from times from getting a pie this comes from Galatians in the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament and it says oh no it's Galatians 5 chapter 5 and it says yes live by the Spirit that is to live by your willingness it is not more complicated than that. In fact, it's very simple. You will be tempted to think with the world. Hence, uh, when we watch the news, and we see all going on, and people, this is terrible, this is awful, this is, and we get on that bandwagon, this is terrible, this is awful. And, and, and then we spread the, the wealth over to the next door and down the street, this is terrible, this is, so suddenly there's hundreds and thousands of people thinking about how terrible and awful this is instead of, how can we heal this? How can we shift this together? How can we bring about peace on earth? So just, just thinking about that. So in times of, of unknowing, you will think and act with the world, but your willingness is in action, and so you will see what you have done. Each moment of noticing is an opportunity for immediate repentance. Repentance is nothing more than remembering what you truly want and returning joyfully to the focus of your willingness. This is the dance of love. And the dance of love is the spreading of light within a welcome mind. The dance of love is the spreading of light within a welcome mind. Take a breath. Let's invite our mind to become a welcoming mind. Into my mind, I welcome love. And the reality of love, even though I can't explain what the reality is, I trust that it is good. Into the mind and the intelligence of my entire being, I welcome love. I welcome peace. I welcome joy. My mind is welcoming 
unlimited health, unlimited well-being, un unlimited harmony, un unlimited prosperity, unlimited joy. There is infinite good within both me and my neighbor. There is infinite joy, infinite peace, infinite well-being within my mind now. I encourage myself to keep thinking this way. I encourage myself to see others this way, the ones I like and the ones I'm afraid of. I encourage myself to see what is true and deny what is not true. To deny what is limited, what is sparse, and to affirm what is limitless, what is infinite, and what I know to be true. My welcoming mind is open and receptive now. So it is. Amen. Thank you.